0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Fear Not. We can all identify with fear, but it's what we do with this fear that matters. During this series, we'll learn how to overcome some common fears with the power of God. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, welcome to Valley Brook. We're in the second series of this message a series called No Fear. Today, we are talking about the fear of failure. You know, I was thinking about this over the past couple of weeks. Cynthia and I moved here in 1999 with our family, with an undeniably clear calling from God to start a church to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. From our first conversation with people interested in us moving from Minnesota to Connecticut, uh, we sensed that God was guiding us. There was a church here with the same vision for starting new churches, to reach people for Christ, and uh, they were willing to... reach out and, and recruit somebody. And so they began to talk to Cynthia and me and they said, you know, if you come here, we'll allow you to recruit people from my congregation. We're going to give you prayer support. We're going to give you financial support. We're going to pay your salary. And as Cynthia and I began to pray through this and have interview and conversation after conversation with the team, we began to sense that God was calling us to, to leave Minnesota. Um, you know, as we got through that process, uh, the final step was for us to come out here and go through an interview weekend with that church that wanted us to do that. We decided uh, that this was beginning to look like something God wanted us to do. So we contacted a realtor in Minnesota and said, listen, you know, just out of curiosity, can, can we put our house on the market with no signs, no advertising, no nothing? And they said, sure. Uh, so we, we flew out here. We went through the, the weekend. We, we flew back with our kids. We had been in the house probably less than five minutes when we received two phone calls. The first phone call was that church saying, listen, we want you to come. And the second phone call was the realtor saying, your house sold this weekend. So with uh, all of those green lights, we felt like God was calling us with an undeniably clear call to come to Valley Brook And start, well, come to start what? is Valley Brook? It wasn't Valleybrook then. Um, you, you know, I share that with you because to be honest with you, during that whole process, uh, there was no fear uh, of failure uh, in that process. But um, truthfully, you, you know, as I think that through, I, I have to tell you that I'm the kind of person who uh, denies a lot of their feelings and emotions. I just sort of press on through, and I I don't always uh, pay attention to that. So I'll never forget what happened when I owned my fear of failure about starting this new church. We had been here about eight months. Um, It was in January. We were at a sports banquet for my son. And, you know, after the sports banquet, we're talking, eating pizza with all the parents. And and one guy came up to me and he said, so uh, what brought you to Connecticut? And I said, well, we came here to start a new church. And his next question to me said was this. And he says, what if it doesn't work? Um, my response uh, to that was a mixture of both uh, solid faith and solid denial. (laughs) Um, The first thing I said was this, it'll work. I had this undeniable sense that God was calling this. But my second sentence really shared with you how completely oblivious I was to the possibility of failure. I said, Don't tell my wife. You know, in my mind, if I didn't admit it, it didn't exist, that fear of failure. But the reality is every single human being will wrestle with the fear of failure. And that's when I got in touch with mine. Think about it. We all fear failure of some kind, whether it's starting a new church or starting a new job or taking a test, whether it's at school or at work or at the DMV. We all have some type of a fear of failure at some times. Some people have jobs that require them to make life and death decisions, and the fear of failure in that can be huge. Some of us have experienced great pain and heartache, and we trust God can heal those hurts and that heartache, but at the same time, we're afraid that will experience the same type of failure that brought that hurt and heartache again. And then, going a little deeper, sometimes we fear that deeper feeling of what caused that heartache, that hurt, to begin with. Once Jesus was teaching people about, really, about faithfully following, but also the fear of failure. He he was talking to them uh, about What do you do if you get stuck with that? He tells a story about a wealthy person who went off on a trip and he had three servants and he asked his three servants to take care of his finances while he was gone. And he gave a certain amount to each of those servants. And when he came back, he asked for an accounting. He asked for his money back and an accounting of what they had done. And the first two doubled their master's money. But look at the conversation that the master had with the third servant. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who had 10 bags of silver. You know, the third servant had a fear of failure. This servant feared that he would fail and lose his master's money. And he was so paralyzed by the fear of failure that he hid the money in the ground until the master returned. I can imagine how relieved he was to dig it up and give it back to the master and get it out of his hands. But his relief soon turned to fear. Because his master threw him out of the kingdom. You know, know, this story tells us that there are real-life consequences for our actions and for our inactions. To be more specific, there are real-life consequences for the inaction caused by the fear of failure. In the story, fear of failure causes the servant to be unfaithful with what the master had entrusted him with. And the fear of failure causes the servant to miss out on the master's blessing and ultimately to be excluded from the Master's kingdom. Now, for some of you, hearing what the fear of failure causes just made you have more fear of failure. And I apologize for that. Um, but this is a good place for re- to remind you of a verse that we've set as our theme verse for this series. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it says this For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. We're encouraging people to memorize that during this series. So I, I want to encourage you to do that. In this verse, God tells us that he's placed the Holy Spirit within everybody who believes in Jesus Christ. And while we can experience human emotions, the, mo- the emotion of fear, there is no fear in the Holy Spirit so the Spirit only gives us the attributes that are from the Spirit. Fear is not an attribute of the Spirit, but power and love and a sound mind are attributes that the Holy Spirit gives us. And those attributes can be used to combat any fears that you and I feel, even the fear of failure. So I want you to remember the Holy Spirit lives in you to give you power. So you have the power of God to do whatever God calls you to do. The Holy Spirit gives you love and you have the ability to love other people like Jesus does. And finally, the Holy Spirit gives you a sound mind and you have the ability to think clearly with the wisdom and understanding that only comes from God. So you have all of those things to combat any fear and particularly the fear of failure. Now, I want you to see three truths from scripture today that can help us overcome the fear of failure. And the first truth is a reminder of what it means to be human. And here it is, you will fail. You will fail. Uh, Now, those of us who love sports know that, you know, there's only one winner in most sporting contests. One player, one runner, one driver, one swimmer, one team wins. While somebody comes in second or third place and it can be a great honor, it wasn't the goal. And many people who don't come in that first place consider second or third a failure. So again, I hate to break it to you, but uh, not everything you do will be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Um, You'll not win at everything. Your imperfect human nature, like mine, will cause you to make mistakes and fail. The Apostle James knew this, and God inspired him to write these words. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So we all make mistakes. We have trouble controlling our tongues. We say things that we shouldn't say. We think things that we shouldn't think. We do things that we shouldn't do. We fail. Maybe the reason we fear failure so much is because failures cause us pain. They embarrass us. They disappoint us. They even hurt us. And like the story of the servant who failed to invest the master's money, failures have consequences oftentimes beyond the sheer effect of the failure itself. When we fail, we not only can disappoint ourselves, but we can disappoint other people that we really care about. When we fail, we can not only hurt ourselves, but worse, we can hurt others. And none of us wants that kind of experience, and that's why the fear of failure can be so great for us. But there's another side uh, of the reality that we all fail. And it's this. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. You know, Paul understands that we're going to run into problems and trials. He understands that those problems and trials will end up in failure sometimes. And what he's telling us is that we can learn from it. Failure and pain are great teachers. I do not like to redo things that have hurt me. I will avoid them at all costs. But what we're learning is that when we try and try again to do something correct, it teaches us endurance. It teaches us about doing our best. It teaches us things about seeking to be a faithful follower of Christ. Now, the Bible tells us something that we all consider to be very unflattering, but it's true. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, we've all, that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray in our following of God. So that means we make mistakes. That means we fail God. That means when we sin, we not only might hurt somebody else, we also hurt our relationship with God. When we fail God, we commit sins. So owning our sinfulness is important. Owning it and asking for forgiveness is critical. And owning it is the first step to the next truth that God's Word tells us. And it's this. You can overcome you can overcome. Listen to this proverb. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Because God loves us and sent Jesus to save us from our sins, we know that God gives us second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, sixth chances, seventh chances. In other words, As long as we ask for forgiveness and seek to repent and do the right thing, He's going to give us grace. And we can follow Him. And we can overcome what we struggle with. We know that our sins are forgiven. We know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live lives where we can overcome our temptations and thus overcome our failures. Now, it's always good for us to remember that being a follower of Christ is not some type of self-help philosophy. Being a follower of Christ doesn't make us perfect or our lives perfect. And most importantly, being a follower of Christ isn't something you can do for an hour on Sundays. Being a follower of Christ is saying, I'm going to live my life believing in Jesus and following what he taught me to do. And as I learn more, I'm going to seek to be more faithful in my following, and I'm going to live that life for him. In fact, he tells us in Scripture uh, that if we follow him and if we believe in him, he says, we'll do even greater things than he did. That's mind-boggling for us to try to wrap our heads around, but he's basically saying, listen, I want you to be a faithful follower and do whatever I call you to do. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes these words of encouragement to the church there. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So church, don't be weary in doing good. Trust God. God is working in you. Eugene Peterson uh, is a pastor and author. He recently just passed away, went to be with God, but he wrote uh, many books. One of the books he wrote was this A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And and as he writes this, he basically takes the the premise for this book from Scripture. In fact, from 15 of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, they're called the Songs of. Of ascent. And scholars believe that these 15 Psalms were actually sung by the Hebrew pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem for the great worship festivals of Judaism. This is what Peterson writes. He says, The use of these Psalms is an aid and encouragement for a life of obedience to God. The obedience that takes root over a long period of time and is oftentimes anything than instant. As you journey through these songs, your affections are stirred as you see your Savior Jesus and find in him satisfaction for every sphere and season of your life. He goes on and he says, one of the aspects of the world that is harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired instantly at once. He says, it's a difficult environment to get people uh, interested in the message of Jesus Christ. And then it's even harder to help them understand that it's not something that happens just like that. He says, people have developed a lifestyle Of being a tourist. They only want the high points. They want everything fast and easy. He said, There's no desire to wait patiently and trust God in that relationship. And he goes on and he says, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that we would be ready for a long obedience in the same direction, resulting in something that makes life worth living. And then he goes on, he says, you know, there's two biblical designations that I I talk to about people of faith. They are the designation of being a disciple or the designation of being a pilgrim or being them both. He says, being a disciple says that we're people who want to spend our life apprenticed to our master, Jesus Christ. We are growing and learning in that relationship always. So, as a disciple, we're a learner. Uh, now, he says this is not primarily uh, um, just some type of academic learning in a schoolroom, but rather it's, it's the work of a craftsman. We don't just acquire information about God, but skill, skill in faith. Following Jesus is our craft. And then he says, being a pilgrim means being a person who spends their life going someplace, going to God, whose path for getting there is the way of Jesus. So it's following Jesus on a pilgrimage to God. So overcoming the fear of failure means that you're going to stop being a spiritual tourist, looking for instantaneous results as followers of Jesus Christ, but understanding that you are a disciple, that God, through faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, is apprenticing you, teaching you to be a faithful follower of him. That's your skill. That's your craft. And you're a pilgrim going on a journey to God through faith in Jesus Christ. So as this pilgrim disciple, we have to know this. You must take faith risks. You've got to take risks of faith. You know, I mentioned earlier that one of the worst things about failing is that sometimes when we fail, we hurt others in the process. Now knowing that and then trying again, will be risking failing again. Some of us are so afraid of failing because we've hurt others that we never try again. Now, Whether or not you're a NASCAR fan or not, I'm certain that uh, even as a casual observer of news headlines, a month ago today was the Daytona 500, and if you were a casual observer or a fan, you know that with 10 laps left in the race, the guy in fifth place, Paul Menard, tried to pass the guy in fourth place, and he clipped his rear bumper, turned him sideways, And what resulted was a 21-car pileup. 21 cars and drivers were taken out of the race with just 10 laps to go. Now, think about that. You know, I don't know. If I was Paul Menard, I'm not sure I would have wanted to race again because I just ruined 20 other drivers' chances of winning one of the most famous races in the world. But guess what? The next weekend, he was back in the race. As human beings, you and I are going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt others. We're going to cause pain for us. We're going to cause pain for others. We're going to cause pain for ourselves. We're going to cause pain for God. When we make a mistake, we have to get up again. We need to ask God for forgiveness if we've sinned. We need to ask forgiveness from those we've hurt. We need to make restitution if we've done something that requires restitution. If we've sinned against somebody else, we've got to ask for their forgiveness. We've got to take the risk to get back up and follow Jesus faithfully. And here's the good news. He's going to forgive you. He's going to say to you when you ask for forgiveness, what sin? You're forgiven. God does not want our previous failures to make us afraid to live. He tells us in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what he's saying is, listen, if you you make a mistake, if you sin, ask for forgiveness, repent, get up, start following me faithfully. Because he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, if if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read that whole chapter, it starts with this great verse. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith involves taking a risk to hope and trust in God that we can't see with our eyes. Taking that risk to follow him. So let me ask you, what's the thing that you're afraid to do because you're afraid of failing? Are you afraid to believe in and follow Jesus because you don't want to mess up? Folks, we all make mistakes and we fail. Not because we want to, but because we're all sinners. And sinners make mistakes. And sinners sin. You know, it's funny. Over the years, uh, I have met many Christ followers who have come to faith at some point in their life, but they've never taking the next step of being baptized. And when I ask them, it's amazing how many people say, well, I'm just not good enough yet. I need to wait to get baptized until I'm good enough. That's not what baptism is about. Baptism is saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to follow his teaching. And he told me to be baptized as a sign that I'm his follower. Listen, if we waited till we were good enough to be baptized, nobody would be baptized. So let me say this. If that's you and you've been waiting till you're good enough, stop. We'll fill up the baptismal trough this afternoon and we'll have a baptism, okay? So don't wait. You're never going to be good enough because we're all sinners, but that's not what it's about. So if you're afraid to fail in following Jesus, guess what? You're going to. I do every day. All of us do. But we, at, we confess our sins and we start following him. May, maybe you're afraid to be fully devoted to following Jesus because you're afraid of what people will think about, think about you in your life. Maybe you're afraid that, that when you start following him in your career, in your neighborhood, in your family, that they're going to think, well, you're weak because you're leaning on Jesus or you're leaning on some religious idea. Don't be afraid of what other people think about you. I said this a couple of weeks ago. We don't want to be people-pleasers. We want to be God-pleasers. Maybe you're afraid of failing in relationships, in friendships, or in dating, or in, in marriage. Listen, I promise you that if, if you're not taking risk in building relationships, you're not going to have relationships. If you're not taking that risk to put your heart out there, you're not going to, your heart's not going to get broken because your heart's not going to take a risk. But God has promised to walk with us and to be with us. And he's poured the Holy spirit into us. And and I believe that he will bless you in every one of your relationships. If you seek to follow the guidance of God and the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you are afraid of failing in your calling from God. Maybe you're afraid that you know what God wants you to do and you're afraid to do it because you're afraid you're going to mess up. Remember what I said to begin with, you're going to fail. We all do. But let me tell you a story from the early church. You know, after Jesus was arrested and crucified, the disciples went into hiding. If you go back and study the Scriptures, only one of the disciples shows up at the crucifixion. That was John. The others are in hiding. When you read in the book of Acts, you discover that they all seem to be hanging out back at the upper room where they had the Last Supper. That was sort of their safe zone. They were afraid that they would be arrested. They were afraid that they would be crucified. They were afraid that they were going to get hurt even after Jesus had raised from the grave. Even after he had ascended into heaven. On the day of Pentecost, we discover that God sends his Holy Spirit on all the believers those of the disciples and all the others. And, and you read about it in chapter 2 of the book of Acts and you see this, uh, these amazing, miraculous things taking place. But what you see, too, is all of a sudden, now that these followers of Jesus are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has taken away their fear because there's no fear in the Holy Spirit. And now they're operating with a spirit of power and of love. And a sound mind. And they begin to love God and love people and change the world. And it's been going on ever since. And around chapter 5 of the book of Acts, something happens. The couple of the disciples get arrested, Um, they're thrown in jail. Uh, In the middle of the night, God supernaturally um, unlocks the jail. They're released. Uh, they go back to the temple area where they arrested before for teaching about Jesus. They're arrested again. They're brought before all of the religious leaders of Jerusalem and they are, are fuming mad. They do not want these disciples to keep teaching about Jesus. And they tell them that. And this is what the disciples say. We will obey God rather than people. I want to be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. And, Scripture tells us that the religious leaders were so angered by this that they wanted to kill all of the disciples. But one of the Pharisees in that group, one of the religious leaders, wise, said this, In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God... You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Well, we know it was of God. So when God is calling you, you don't need to be afraid of failure. You need to trust God. You need to trust that God will work through you and what he's calling you to do. Or if you're so afraid that you're going to fail that you do nothing, he'll work around you. All right? We need to trust God. Will you make mistakes? Yes. Will you experience failure? Yes. Uh, Will you experience some pain? Probably. That's part of the human condition. But it takes trust and faith in Jesus and his word to follow him, and he's going to walk with us through that. Look, I stand before you as as, uh, your pastor who, along with Uh, My family and a core group of people took a risk to start this church that is called Valley Brook. And I still remember uh, some of the mistakes I made along the way. I was certain we were supposed to launch this church to to begin and have our first service on Easter of 2000. Um, And God shut that idea down. Um, It was humbling, it was a little embarrassing but we decided we were not going to fear failure we were going to start seeking God's will and his guidance and he made it very clear that we were supposed to launch that this church in September of that year and we did and we never looked back we never looked back i'm going to invite the worship team to come forward because we're going to sing a song at the end but but you know here's what i want to tell you about the fear of failure i hate failing I hate making mistakes. I hate the embarrassment of failing. I hate the loss of momentum when I fail or when I fail in my leadership and others experience that. I hate that failing hurts other people. I hate that failing is a tough teacher. But I also realize that God can do amazing things when I embrace my humanness And rely on him for his power and his love and a sound mind. And that he will work in me and through me. And I can trust him. So I put my faith in him. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Look, I don't know if you're struggling with a fear of failure. But but this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer with you. And uh, we're going to pray about that. And if you don't have a fear of failure, praise God. Literally, praise God. But I'm sure you know somebody who does. Somebody may be paralyzed by a fear of failure. And you can pray for that person. And then after we spend this time in silent prayer, we're going to go into a song which is our declaration that our identity is not in our failures. Our identity is not in our fears. Our our identity is in being a child of God. So, Let's start off in prayer. Father, I thank you that we can bring to you our honest fears, and particularly the fear of failure. So, Lord, whether it's us or somebody else right now, we want to lay it at your feet and ask you to take it away and deliver us from that fear of failure. So, Lord, hear our silent prayers for ourselves or others.